Let's take our Bibles and let's turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 19. I'm so excited about the message this morning. I'm more excited about it now than I was at 5 o'clock this morning. Message was all done last night. I went to bed. This text, this, this thought, the title. And then at 5 o'clock this morning, God woke me up and said, that message that you have, I'm going to change it up. He moved all kinds of stuff around. He moved points to a different spot in that message, removed some of the stuff I was going to say. And so uh, I have no idea how this is going to go. You're going to hear it the first time like I will hear it the first time. Amen. And uh, as you know, so I don't know how loud this shot will be. I don't know how far it'll go. I don't know where it's going to hit. But we're going to have fun together. Amen. But I'm excited about the thought. The theme of the message hasn't changed a bit. I just believe God kind of tweaked how he wanted it presented. And uh, let's all stand together as we read. We'll read a little bit of a portion here. Luke chapter number 19 and beginning at verse number 28. Luke 19 verse number 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, into which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon, never man, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why ye loose him, thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon, and as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. I'm going to speak this morning on the thought, God needs you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. And we do not take lightly the privilege to gather with other believers there are Christians around the world today that would love to be in a public gathering worshiping you. But because of the persecution in their country, they're not able to do that. I pray you would help us this morning to be thankful and appreciative of your blessing here on us in America. I pray you'd help us now as we gather around your word. You'd open our minds, help us to be attentive, and may you speak to us. I ask for your power, dear Holy Spirit. Help me to speak and to say what you once said. And then I pray you'd help each of us to listen and to hear from heaven this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Can you imagine this scene that we've just described? This is what we call the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. He, in, 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 as you look at the chronology in the Gospels, in John's Gospel, chapter 12, gives the same story. Just before that, in John 11, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. 
A multitude had gathered where he was in, in, in Bethany there, and, and they, because of him raising him from the dead, and they had seen all these miracles. They began to shout and praise God for what had happened. And then we see here in our text where Jesus says to the disciples, to, to two of his disciples, verse 29, I want you to go to the next village, and just as you enter the village, right at the edge of the town, there's a little donkey tied, a little colt, a young donkey, and I want you to loose him and bring him to me. And as we saw in our text, Jesus rides that donkey into Jerusalem while people are waving palm branches and, and, and shouting Hosanna to the highest. And, uh, and this was a custom of, of the day for a conquering king to ride in to town, but he would not ride on a donkey. He'd ride on a white stallion. And here's Jesus coming on this little donkey, the colt of an ass, the Bible says. Just a young donkey. He comes in and, and uh, he's riding that way. You know why he did that? Because he didn't come as king the first time. Now he is going to come as king and he will ride a white horse. That's what Revelation chapter 19 says. And I saw the heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. We just sang about those. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. We know who that is. It's Jesus. Amen. And the armies which were in heaven fought. Followed him upon white horses. Just pause right here. That means us. When he comes on white horses, we're going to come riding too. Amen. That's why I own cowboy boots. Amen. I'm getting ready for heaven. Clothed in white linen, clean, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth forth a, goeth a, a sharp sword, and, and that with it he w- should smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of his fierceness of the wrath of God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He will do that one day. But that's not the story of our text. You see, this crowd was looking for that kind of king. You see, Israel at that time was looking for a political savior, not a spiritual one. They wanted Jesus to kick out the Romans and take over. In fact, the disciples, even after the resurrection, asked Jesus, Wilt thou at this time establish thy kingdom? They were tired of the oppressive Roman government. Can I get an amen right there? They were looking for political revival, not a spiritual one. Luke 19, 38 says, They were saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They were looking for a military king to free them from the oppression of the Roman army. They were not looking for a redeemer to free them from the oppression of sin. But when Jesus came this first time, he came on this little donkey as he rides into town. What a beautiful picture. You see, a donkey was not the the animal that a wealthy person would use to show their wealth. It was a humble animal. It was a work animal. Um, Anybody ever been around donkeys? We have, when I worked at Mount Santa Revival Grounds at the camp, we had one. I think it was evil. I think it was possessed by demons. I'm convinced of it. That thing was so stubborn. It broke my son's hand one time when he stepped on Zach's trying to get him to come down the mountain, and it didn't want to go. And he said, what happened? Well, Zach was yanking on him. He fell down, hit the ground, and it stomped right on his hand and broke his hand. I wanted to shoot it right then. But anyway, here's Jesus. He comes in riding that little donkey. Now picture the scene. All this crowd's here. They had just seen the story of, or heard the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. 
And I submit to you, if somebody came into our town and went to the hospital and went down to the morgue where somebody had died or even went out to the cemetery, said, open the grave, come out, and they walked out, that would draw a crowd. Amen? And so the, the crowd was there. And Jesus says to two of his disciples, we don't know which two, and I'll talk about that later in the message, but he says in verse 30 of our text, look at it again there, Luke 19, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, into which you are entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat, yet never man sat, loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you, lose, why, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. They would untie him and bring him to Jesus. And if anybody asked, they were to say, well, the Lord has need of him. Can you imagine being the owner of that colt? This is, I mean, you use this, use this for your work. You were going to plow with him. All right? And it was, you know, apparently they raised colts because we find it in Matthew's gospel. We'll talk about it later. Uh, the, the mother was there, the, the, the mama colt, or, or the mama donkey, and, 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 and she, she had this little colt. And obviously this was part of this man's, you know, his, his possessions. Can you imagine in the morning hearing somebody messing with your garage by the tutor, and you go out there and somebody's climbing in your pickup truck and about to drive it out? And you say, what are you doing? Well, God needs it. Yeah, you need some lead. Yeah, I mean, I know what would happen. It's amazing to me. I mean, they're untying this colt. The owner comes out. He says, what are you doing? Why are you untying my colt? And their answer was exactly what Jesus said. The Lord hath need of him. I think one of the overlooked portions of the miracle here, brother, is that the owner was okay with that. Okay. If God needs that, he can have it. If God came to you today and mentioned one of your possessions and says, I want that, how tightly is your donkey tied? That's not the message, but it's a great thought. As we look at this story, I want us to consider some lessons of this story. First of all, the object of the need. The Lord hath the need of him. Who's the him? This little cold. Uh, it says there in verse number 30, uh, Jesus said, Go ye into the village over against you, the which you are ending, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never yet man sat. Lose him and bring him hither. And if, anybody, if any man ask you, why loose ye him? Thus shall you say to him, The Lord hath need of him. Think of it. Out of all of the creatures in this little village of Bethphage, Jesus wanted that colt. He needed him. Think of it. The creator of the universe, the master of the mighty, the hero of the heroes, the healer of the healers, the overcomer of the overcomers, the king of kings, the lord of lords, needed that little colt. Now can I tell you something? God didn't need a colt. He chose to need him. Brother Christian, I was thinking about this throughout the week. Next Sunday night we're going to be talking about the different ministries at our church and where we can fit in. The truth is, God doesn't need any of us to do His work, but He chose to need us. 
He had so constructed his plan. Just like that day Jesus was going to come into Jerusalem, he decided the one who had all power, the one who spoke worlds into existence, the one who called light out of darkness, the one who walked on water, who stilled storms and made the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and the mute to speak, and, and, and he, the one who raised the dead and fed 5,000 with little boys' lunch, that God decided he needed that little cult. Some interesting things about the cult. Jesus knew where he was. Look at your text, verse 30. Jesus takes two of his disciples. He said, go ye into the village over against you, into which at your entering you shall find the colt tied. Jesus hadn't been to the village, but he knew where the colt was. That ought to encourage you. God knows where you are. He knows everything about you. He knows exactly where this cult was and he knows exactly where we are. We see this illustrated in the ministry of Christ over and over again in John chapter 1. Uh, it says in verse number 47, And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was yet under the fig tree, I saw thee. We think we could sneak up on God. No, he knows where we are. When Jesus told the disciples, go get this colt. Brother, he knew right where he was. He knew, and God knows where you are. When trouble comes to your life, he knows where you are. When you want to serve him and you have a heart to serve God, he knows where you are. Look at verse 30 again. Saying, go ye into the village over against you. Into which at your entering ye you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. He knew where he was, and he knew what he was. This was just a young colt, a little donkey that had never been ridden. Anybody ever tried to ride a horse or something that had never been broken? I've tried that. I don't recommend it. Cowboys are crazy. All right? I mean, that's just serious business. I've known a lot of them. I've known guys who broke horses. Horses break me when I tried to ride them. We had a horse at Mount Salem named Matthew. Matthew and Izzy, we had two horses. They were also demon-possessed. They liked to, while you're riding, turn around and try to bite you while you're riding them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me and horses, we get along. This little colt had never been ridden. What do you think about that? Not been broken. He had not been trained. It's just a little colt. Brother Glenn, Jesus knew that. When God chooses us to serve him, he knows where we are, but he knows who we are. He knows what we're made of. He, he knows exactly what we are. I love what Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14 says. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. You know, sometimes we, as parents, we forget our children, what their age and maturity level are. You know, when, when the kids are growing up, we expect more from them than what they ought to. Uh, we have a granddaughter. She's, she's 13. She's 5'10". Yeah, at 13. Her mama is 6 foot. Dad is 6'2". Her, her grandpa on the other side is 6'5". So, you know, Haley's going to be over 6 foot tall. All right, she's 5'10 already. Uh, and, and when she was, you know, she was 5'7 at, you know, 11 and 12. And you expect her to act like a 15-year-old, but she acts like an 11-year-old. Can I get a witness? God knows exactly who and what we are. When God 
touches your heart and says, I want to use you in this area. You need to understand, you may not think you're qualified. You may not think that you're able to do that, but God knows who you are, and He knows what you are. Look at verse number 30. He says, uh, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, and the witch that you're entering, you shall find the colt tied whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. Jesus knew where he was, he knew what he was, and he knew what he could do. Jesus knew, I'm going to ride into Jerusalem, and I'm not riding on a white stallion that's been trained to to bear the weight of a king. I'm going to ride on this little donkey that nobody's ever ridden on. Jesus had created that colt. He knew what he was capable of. He never expected more from the colt than what the colt was capable of. There have been many times in my ministry, Brother Christian, where God has put me in a position, and I've stepped back and said, not me, I'm not the guy for that. But you understand, with God, all things are possible. Philippians 4.13, where the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's not me and my ability, it's Him. And if He gets involved, then anything is possible. Reminds me of the, tal- the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 when he gives out all the different talents and says unto everyone he gave, fi- uh, to one he gave five talents and to another two and to another one to every man according to his several ability and straightway he took his journey. God gives each of us abilities. I taught for several weeks, I think four weeks on the spiritual gifts. Every one of us in this room, if you're saved, you have a gift God gave you to be used in the local church. Amen. I thank God for Brother Josh. He allows him to play the piano. I, I can find middle C, and that's about it. I remember when I had my hand surgery a few years ago, I had to have this joint reconstructed. And when I went to do my surgery follow-up, I asked the surgeon. He was taking the little brace off. I'm going to put the cast on it. And I said, uh, Doc, I've got a question for you. When this heals, will I be able to play the piano? Oh, yeah, you will. No problem. I said, that's cool, because I couldn't before. He just shook his head at me. It's not one of my gifts. I have trouble playing a radio in tune. Can I get a witness? Amen. But every one of us have gifts. Some of you are gifted to take care of children. I'm really good at making children cry. You know, except my grandchildren. I, well, I can do that with them too. But it's the Papa gene. I can actually get them to come to me once in a while. But every one of us have gifts. Some of you, if we asked you to teach a Sunday school class you would have a heart attack, we'd have to be calling 911. But you know how to work on air conditioners. You know how to fix a bus. God knew this little colt. Jesus knew where he was, he knew what he was, and he knew what he could do. And God said, I need him. Why? Because i got a job for him. Look at verse number 19. The object of the need was the colt. The colt. Look at verse 33. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. We see the object of the need, the colt. Now we see the opportunity to serve the king. This little colt was just a colt. It wasn't a racehorse. It wasn't a thoroughbred. He wasn't, you know, one of these, the, the, he wasn't one of the, uh, the big Clydesdales. I grew up in Ohio, in, uh, in, in uh, southwest Ohio, <clears throat> and there were some dunkards. Anybody know what dunkards are? They're kind of like Amish. And uh, there were two groups. One group drove cars, the other one didn't. The one that didn't 
they would plow their fields with horses called catchins. Anybody ever heard of catchin? It's like a Clydesdale, but they're coal black. Beautiful horses. Got hooves like that. I mean, they're massive animals. Uh, one time our bus got stuck in the snow, our church bus, <clears throat> out by one of their farms. And, and, and Brother McNeely, the guy came out with six of his big old catchins, all teamed together and strapped him to the front of our bus and pulled the bus out of the snow. And he was laughing his head off the whole time he was doing it. Like, it's awesome. Get a sleigh on those things and we'll take the kids out. Amen. But uh, that's not what this colt was. He wasn't one of those big burden bears. He wasn't ready to pull a plow. But he had an opportunity to do what stallions only envied of. They didn't get to carry the king into Jerusalem for his triumphal entry. No, God chose this little colt and gave him the opportunity. I'll never forget that day when I was 14 years of age, Brother Depp, when God called me to preach. God poked my heart on a Sunday morning when my pastor was preaching in Romans chapter 10 and he got to that verse where it says, in house shall they hear without a preacher? I didn't hear another word. The Holy Spirit just started bumping on my chest. He said, that's you. I don't even know what pastor preached on that day just because when he read that verse, it was all over. I knew what God wanted. I walked down the aisle. I took my pastor by the hand. I said, but if God's called me to preach and he encouraged me by saying, you, are you sure? That was really encouraging. He went to the people and said, you're not going to believe this. God's called Doug Brandenburg to preach. And people are like, really? you got to understand, before I surrendered to preach, I was the quietest kid in the youth group. I know you don't believe that, but it's true. But then something snapped after God called me to preach, amen? What are you saying? What an opportunity. I never take it lightly that I have an opportunity to serve the Lord. I mean, every time I've worked a bus ride, every time I've, I've gotten to preach or, or, or lead singing or do whatever it is I've gotten to do for the Lord, it's a blessing and an opportunity. Here, God said about this little colt, I'm going to give you an opportunity that nobody else will ever have. Next Sunday night, we're going to give you opportunities to get involved in the work of God here at Trident Baptist Church. We have that dream sheet that, that uh, we passed out. In fact, if you did not, or, or that, we, that we mailed out, if you didn't get one, they're back at the, uh, at the Welcome Center. Please stop by and get one. These are the areas that we're looking for help. And, and there's, there's places for you to serve. I mean, there's places for church cleaning. Thank God for those of you that come in every week and clean this building. Nobody sees you do it, but He does. Uh, the pastor's looking for a man that we're going to call the can man. So what's that? Make sure all the trash gets emptied after every Sunday. Not like going into Sunday school class where they've had some kind of snacks and threw the extras in the, in the trash can, and on Tuesday they're still there. Yeah. Uh, things like uh, between service preppers who get the building ready and, and straighten all the stuff afterwards. And nursery ministry. Thank God for the nursery. I mean that. Thank God that there's, there's a place where the, the children can go and have, ha, have a place to be cared for. Uh, parking lot entrance. What, we talk about that. That's, that's the gate over here where we can put the chain across there and somebody open that. Somebody take care of the, the shuttle and, and we need more bus drivers and, and church security and ushers and, and then somebody to take care of maintaining the park when we get it built and, and wiggle worms, which will be a Sunday night uh, three and four year old program for the kids on Sunday night. Uh, people to work in the sound booth uh, because we know we got to get Brother Bubba out of there once in a while because he needs preaching every once in a while. He's back here playing chess on his computer or something. What's the score of the game? (laughs) 
got to watch him. You constantly got to watch him. But no, we need more help because we don't want somebody sitting there the whole time. Uh, same with, with, with the live stream and camera operators and, and then Sunday ready men, people to get buildings ready, things that, that we do before the service to make sure everything's working. And, and then a choir babysitter. You say, what's that? You got to babysit the choir? Yeah. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Somebody to watch the children while the choir practices. You know, uh, parking lot detail men. You know, Pastor likes a clean parking lot. Do you realize the city recognizes our parking lot? These guys have been out here tearing up the, the, this area and mud everywhere. Preacher's been out there and was like, um, you left mud on the parking lot. You're going to clean that, right? I'm like, yes. Yeah. Why? Because this is God's place. You don't go to Disney World and have the parking lot look like a mess. Well, this is God's house. Amen. What are you talking about? I'm talking about opportunities <coughs> to serve the Lord just like this cult did. Out of every creature in that village, God said, I want you, and I got a job for you. And he says that about every one of us. God needs you for, what? for an opportunity. Amen goes right there. Amen. Kitchen crew, what's that on Monday mornings? We have folks that bring food that we give out to church members. It's donated to us. We need somebody to coordinate that. Amen goes right there. What do you say? I'm saying there's plenty of opportunities. Greeters and meters. People that will welcome those who came. Mentor ministry. What's that? Somebody that's been around the road a little while, down the road a little while in your Christian life, help somebody else that's further back on the road than you. We're going to come to that in a minute. Welcome center attendant. Uh, we're going to be using that welcome center a lot more. We need help with that. And then with our, our prophet's chamber, somebody that will take care of that. What are you saying? I'm saying to every one of us, God has given us abilities. And God said, I choose you for a purpose. God said about this little cult. Now, fellas, I want you to go into this little village. Just as you enter the village, off to the side, there's a colt tied. Little donkey, bring him to me. Because the Lord hath need of him. I don't know about you, but that humbles me to think that God chose to need this little donkey. He didn't have to. He could have brought one of those horses from heaven. But he said, no, I'm going to use that little donkey. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us he chose the foolish things to confound the wise. You know why? So we won't glory in his presence. Take your Bibles, if you would, go to Matthew chapter 21 in your Bibles. This is Matthew's account of the same story. This story is in all four of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 21. This is absolutely amazing. So I was reading this one early this morning. I had, had gone through this thought. I was trying to figure out where it went in the message. And, and God brought me back to this text and said, this is where it goes. Look at verse number 1. Matthew 21. And they drew nigh unto Jerusalem... And we're come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go ye into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her, and loose them and bring them unto me. If any man say aught to, uh, unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he, uh, he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh unto to thee, meek and sitting on an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And disciples went and did as Jesus 
commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put them on their clothes and they set him thereon. Now you notice, in Luke's gospel, it says to bring the colt. It says the same thing in John's gospel and in Mark's gospel. But Brother Glenn, in Matthew, God takes the camera and zooms out a little bit and you see the mama. He said, I want you to bring the mama and the colt. And Jesus rode both of them. He said, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. It wasn't just one donkey, it was two, and here's why it was necessary. That little colt had never done any work. It had never carried anyone. But mama had. And Jesus said, I'm going to bring mama so she can teach the colt how to serve me the way I want him to serve. Some of you are waiting for these new people, new members to jump in. and You're waiting for young people to take the job so you can sit on the pew. And God says, no, I need you too. Because somebody has to teach the younger ones how to do what you've been doing for decades. I love it how God pictures this little colt and his mother and says, I'm going to use mama to teach the younger. You say, preacher, did you just call me a donkey? No, but God did. I am so thankful for those that God put in my life that taught me some things about serving God. I'm so glad for my pastor. But I'm just as thankful for my Sunday school teachers. I told you just last summer, my, my teacher when I was in high school, Brother Cooper, he was our youth ministry leader. He went to heaven. He was 92 years of age. I learned so much about serving God from that man. He's the one who taught me how to drive a stick shift. That's an embarrassing story. We're out there at the back part of the church property. He had a little Volkswagen Squareback. Y'all remember those? He had a 1971 Volkswagen Squareback, and he had some stuff at the church, uh, at the front of the church. He, he said, we're out, in the, out playing in the field with the teenagers. He threw me the keys. He said, go get my car. Get that stuff out of the youth center. Put it back in the car. Bring it out here. I'd never driven a stick shift. I burnt his clutch up. He heard me coming. In fact, he talked to me about it two years ago. I stopped at his house, and he said, I remember teaching you how to drive a stick shift. I said, please don't go there. Gave myself whiplash. Becky's laughing because the same thing happened when I taught her how to drive a stick shift. Oh, yeah. Everybody ought to have to learn to drive one, or you can't get a driver's license. By the way, that's the best way to keep a millennial from stealing your car. Have an old truck, stick shift with unsynchronized gears, you have to double clutch. Can I get a witness? You can leave the keys in that all day long. It's going to sit there when you get back. What are you saying? God used the mama and the little colt. I don't care what your age is. God's not done with you. If you're drawing air, God says, I've got a place and an opportunity for you. I love how God is so attentive to details in his word. Thank God for those who've gone down the road a little further. You may not be able to do what you once did, but you can teach somebody how to do what you once did. Oh, what a great God we serve. We'll quickly give you this illustration, and then I'll get the last point. There's a man in the 1800s by the name of Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher. We don't know a whole lot about him. We know he was burdened for one teenage boy in his class. One day he went to where that teenage boy worked and he led him to Christ.
the only convert we know of this Sunday school teacher. I'm sure there were more, but it's the only name we know. The name of that convert was Dwight Lehman Moody, D.L. Moody, the great preacher from Chicago, who literally shook America and England for God. Over a million people were saved as a result of his ministry. How was he reached? By a Sunday school teacher who was burdened about a, a member of his class. But the story doesn't end there. He won D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody influenced and encouraged a young preacher, a young man by the name of F.B. Meyer, who became a great leader for God, became a great pastor. F.B. Meyer preached and started the Philadelphia Bible Institute. There was a student in that, in that Bible Institute that was getting ready to quit. He'd had enough. He said, I'm done. I'm going to quit after this semester. And F.B. Meyer preached in chapel, and he stirred up that young man in the class. The young man's, class, a young man's name was J. Wilbur Chapman. Became a great evangelist, later a great pastor. And he became a great preacher. One day, J. Wilbur Chapman was preaching on a street corner in Chicago to a bunch of professional athletes. One of them got saved. You might have heard of him. William Ashley Sunday, Billy Sunday got saved as a result of that. Billy Sunday was preaching in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and there was a little seven-year-old boy there that came to hear him preach and got saved. His name was Mark Cameron. You've never heard of him. Mark Cameron got on fire for God, grew up and went to Bible college. Uh, he was trained uh, by W.B. Riley, and he became a great preacher. He later became the dean of Tennessee Temple Schools. He wrote the curriculum at Tennessee Temple where a young preacher went after he got saved out of World War II by the name of Thomas F. Duff, my pastor, went there and was trained by Mark Cameron. Mark Cameron would come to my home church when Brother Duff pastored, and he influenced me. And, and Brother Duff, he trained me in the ministry. And, and as he was preaching there and pastoring in, Tips, in Troy, Ohio, he met a family, the Brandenburg family. Got him in church and got him serving God. What are you saying? Edward Kimball didn't know any of that. But I'm here today because Edward Kimball was obedient and used the opportunity that God gave him. What are you doing with your opportunity? Every other preacher in that, that little village of Bethphage would have loved to have carried the king of kings. But God said, I'm going to choose that little cult. It's your day. You get to do that today. You got to look at what you do for God, not as, oh man, I have to do this, but I get to do this. I hear preachers say, well, I have to preach today. Well, man, I get to. Amen. You know, when you're an assistant pastor and you preach as long as I have, and I love preaching. I'd rather preach than eat, and I like eating. The pastor comes, I'm not feeling well. He'll tell me that on Saturdays. I'm like, I'm not feeling real well. It makes it really hard for me to pray, you know. I want a preacher to get better, you know, Sunday night about 8 o'clock. You'll get that by airmail tomorrow. Why? Because if he doesn't feel good, I'm going to be the one preaching. I'm, I'm kidding, but what I'm saying, God needs you. The object of the need, the cult. The opportunity to serve the king. But I want you to see the objective. You've got to see this. Go back to Luke 19, please. Luke 19. And look at verse number 35. And they brought him to Jesus. That's the cult. And they cast their garments upon the cult. And they sat Jesus thereon. And as he went... They spread their clothes in the way. And when he, that's Jesus, was come nigh, now even at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen. The object of the need was the cult. That's you and I. 
the opportunity. It's to serve the king. But what's the objective? What did that cult do? He brought the king to the people. That's so winning. Why do we do all we do? To get people to Jesus. That's why we do it. The whole purpose of having a choir is to get people to Jesus. The reason we have ushers is to get people to Jesus. The reason we have Sunday school classes is to get people to Jesus. It's all about reaching people with the gospel. Jesus said in John 15, 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that what you will ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. The purpose is fruit. What kind of fruit are you talking about? I'm talking about people getting saved. But he says fruit that remains. Not just win them on the street corner and leave them there. Get them to church. Come on now, don't get quiet. Get them baptized. That's what follow-up visitation is all about. Sunday school, get them in Sunday school. Why? So they can grow in grace. That's why we have all the programs we have. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we do soul winning classes. That's why we do King's Kids. It's so people can come to know the Lord and they grow in their faith. Jesus left us a job to do. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things which are commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We're to get the gospel to everybody we can. And then when they get saved, we're to get them to church, get them baptized, and then teach them what we were taught. That's the job. A great preacher of the past, John Wesley, said, we have nothing to do but win souls. Jim Elliott, that great missionary, just celebrated the, the anniversary of he and the other four men that were killed by the Aka Indians in Ecuador. He wrote this in his journal of what worth is Calvary to a man who's never heard. Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher in England, said, Yes, men are dying and going to hell. You cannot stop their dying. But oh, that God might help you to stop their being damned. You cannot stop the breath from going out of their bodies. But oh, if the gospel could but stop their souls from going to destruction. Spurgeon said, The fact is, brethren, we must have a conversion work here. We cannot go on as some churches do without converts. We cannot, we will not, we must not, we dare not. Souls must be converted here. And if there be not many born to Christ, may the Lord grant me that I may sleep in the tombs and be heard of no more. Better indeed for us to die than to live if souls be not saved. What an amazing statement. Think of the story. As Jesus has his disciples, they're all there, all 12. And he's going to send two of them to go get the colt. I don't know if it happened like this, but I, I, I kind of put myself in Bible stories. Can you imagine him, Jesus coming to Luke and says, outside the town, there's a little donkey that no man's ever sat on. Get him and bring him to me. And Luke says, now, Lord, you know I'm a doctor. If you've got a pain, you've got a headache or something, I'll get you some medicine. But I don't do donkeys. Can you picture uh, he coming to Simon Peter and Andrew and says, fellas, outside the town, there's a little donkey tied and Nobody's ever written them. Won't you bring them to me? And Simon Peter says, no, Lord. If you need something to eat, we can catch you some fish. If you need to go on a trip somewhere, we got a boat. We can take you there. But going to your little colt, Jesus, I don't do donkeys. I can just see it happening. Imagine Jesus coming to Matthew, the tax collector, the government worker. Matthew, 
It's a cult over there. <laughs> Jesus. Now, if you need your taxes done, I can help you with that. All right? You need some investments. I know how to do that. But I don't do donkeys. Sometimes that's our attitude. God says, here, I've got a job for you. I don't do that. I think that's why he didn't name the two. He sends two to go get the donkey. Can you imagine being told to do that? I want you to go get somebody's donkey. Just untie it and bring it to me. If they ask, just tell him I need him. How many of you would sign up for that? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get shot. You can say man right there. The most surprised people in Bethphage that day outside that village is when the disciples, they start untying the colt, and the owner comes out, why are you untying my colt? They remember what Jesus said. Well, the Lord hath need of him. Okay. Can you imagine how happy those two disciples were? Because it was just like Jesus said. So what's your point, preacher? I don't know what God's put on your heart to do for him. It may not look possible. It may look like it's outside of your ability. It may look like something that it's impossible for that to work. But if God put it on your heart, he commanded you to do it, just go do what he said and watch the blessings. Can you imagine how happy that owner was when he found out it was his cult and the mama that got to carry the king of kings to Jerusalem the last time he went there? before his crucifixion. How many of you think he might have been happy when he found that out? Oh, yeah. You want joy in your Christian life? Realize God needs you. He has an opportunity for you to serve him. This week, pray over this list. Don't just look at it and decide. No, pray over it. Say, God, what would you have me do? Because God did not save you to sit. He saved you to serve. And then realize the objective is to get people to Jesus. Everything we ought, that we do ought to have as its focus souls. Souls. Every person you meet is a soul for whom Jesus died. That person that bugs you at work, that's somebody Jesus went to the cross for, was buried and rose again that he might redeem them. You say, well, you don't know what they're like. No, but I know what I was like before I got saved. And he forgave me. And he'll forgive them. That's what it's all about. God needs you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful story of the cult. You chose in your, in your unlimited power, in your omnipotence, you chose to need that little cult because you had an opportunity for him. Help us to realize as believers you have chosen us for a task in this local church. Help us this week to be praying and seeking your face. And may we have your blessing and your touch as we go and do what you told us to do. I pray you'd help us this next week as we pray over the, the events that, that ne for next Sunday night as we get plugged into a place. May you put on the hearts of your people that very area where you'd have us to serve. Help us to realize you have chosen us just like you chose the cult. Father, I also pray for those that might be in this room this morning and they've never come to know the Lord. They do not know Jesus as their Savior. I pray today they'd come to know Him.